Good morning. My name is Sandy Snyder, and I'm an elder and a Stephen minister here at Church of the Palms. Christ has risen. Let us rejoice and be glad. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Come to us as a light from heaven, sovereign God. Pierce the shadows of doubt and despair, anger and scorn that we allow to rule our lives. Turn us from ways that deny your rule among us. Awaken us from dull routines so that we can worship that is alive with awe and wonder, spontaneity and joy. Surprise us with a presence we cannot avoid, a summons we dare not evade, a mission we may not escape. We are gathered by the love of Christ, that we may feed others as we have been fed. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive the Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Oh 
Will you please stand for the call to worship? 
Blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, nor take the path that sinners tread, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do, they prosper. Let us worship God. told us that the greatest commandments are to love God and our neighbor and even our enemies. Love is not a feeling. Love is doing, whether we feel like it or not. Love is being patient and kind with that person who drives us up a wall. It does not dishonor others even when we disagree with them. Love is a tall order that we cannot fulfill without the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, and so we often fall short. But God is merciful and gracious, ever ready to forgive. So let us go before the throne of grace and confess together now. Loving God, we admit attitudes that exclude rather than embrace. 
We prefer to associate with others who think and act as we do. We turn away from those who are different from us. We identify some as enemies to be avoided or even destroyed. Forgive us, God, for seeking to limit your family. Awaken us to the limits of our understanding and the narrowness of our dealings. Show us the better ways you intend and make us bold to respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Where and when we fall, God is there to make all things new. Where and when we reach out with trembling hands and shaky hearts, God holds us close and forgives all things. Go in the knowledge today that you are forgiven and cherished. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. Big day for us today, Confirmation Sunday. We are looking forward to receiving our confirmands this morning. That will happen in a moment, but we are always grateful for this very important uh, day in the life of the church where a next generation takes on uh, the mantle of following Christ. So we're grateful for that. We also uh, have a big day today because we have a congregational meeting right after this service. And that's uh, very brief. We need to elect an associate pastor nominating committee. We'll explain about all that when we have the meeting. But uh, we invite you to remain after the, after the service uh, for that very brief meeting. Very brief meeting. <coughs> and uh, then you'll be invited to go outside and, and welcome our confirmand. So that will be important for you to do. So we hope that you will uh, be available for all those things. We have uh, also an opportunity for you to come alongside of our students uh, who are making their way to college. We have this wonderful program called Secret Angels. Uh, it's, in, it's, about, it's printed in your bulletin about the information that you need to know about becoming a secret angel. So we would love for you to think about how you can quietly come alongside of a young college student, encourage them from their church home, and let them know that they are loved and uh, that they are in the presence of God. We have a wonderful Psalms class that just got started, and if you'd like to come and be a part of that, it's Wednesday evening, 6.30 over in the chapel, being taught by Carolyn Wilson and uh, Doctors Brown, Will Brown and Mingy Brown, and so we would love to have you come and learn about this very important book in the Bible, the prayer book of the Bible, and it's uh, a really engaging class, so come and join us for that. And next Sunday, uh, on May the 7th, in the afternoon at 4 p.m., the uh, Sarasota Young Voices will be celebrating 10 years of uh, wonderful music, and they'll be having a concert here at 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, next Sunday. So come and be a part of that. It's a momentous occasion, and we're looking forward to celebrating with uh, those young voices and uh, being um, just charmed by their beautiful music. So we hope that you will do so. Let's continue our worship. invite the confirmation class and their mentors to please stand and to come forward. Since January, these mentors and confirmands have been worshiping together, studying together, sleeping at lock-ins, not sleeping at lock-ins, <laughs> laughing, boating, eating, and sharing life together. We even went away for a weekend retreat to Cedarkirk for uh, confirmation themes. These relationships between generations and among peers are the foundation of creating that sticky faith for our kids and also for us. So confirmation is just this moment in time for these eighth graders where they get to claim their faith as their own. They designed the stoles that they will be given with words and symbols of what they believe about themselves and what they believe about God. They each wrote their faith statement, and they are in booklets that will be up on the website or later on this week. And I just want to share a couple of snippets for you from this class. One wrote, I believe in the Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I believe they guide me and give me faith through anything I may encounter. Another said, I would like to truly become a member of this church to get closer to God and to truly become a follower of Jesus. I think being a follower of Jesus means being kind to everyone, even if they don't have the same ideas or beliefs that you might have. And finally, the Bible is important in my faith journey because it contains the pure truth about God, 
life, the nature of mankind, and our own hearts. It is a long book full of so many lessons. I'm glad that Pastor Steve teaches us about it because there's a lot to cover. The mentors will now introduce you to the students of the 2017 confirmation class. Good morning. I have Joshua Megan, Ryan Shaite, Alex Barth, and Ben Kirsch. I have Kate Wagner and Katherine Gardner. I have Olivia Mason, Sarah Windham, and Elizabeth Jeffrey. I have Cal, Matthew, and Max. I have Teddy Moser, Blake Cook, Blake Quigley, and Kai Hudson. I have Emerson Windham, William Epstein, Nicholas Nick Clifton, and Christian Robitor. Good-looking crew, huh? Yeah. Give them a round of applause, would you? And along with our sponsors and along with all the parents and family that have been behind these good folks, we also need to give a big shout-out to Lori Haas, who has been directing this whole class over the course of... So you have come to this point. You are being stoled even as we speak. And as you are being stoled, we invite you to answer these questions as you profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you trust in him? Yes. Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way? And will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Yes. By your answering those questions, you have declared your faith in Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in your taking that great step of faith. Three of you, Benjamin, Blake, and Catherine, need to be baptized. And we invite you to come forward to the baptismal font. Benjamin Roy Kirsch, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Catherine Julia Wagner, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Blake Spencer Koch, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now you may join your fellow confirmands as we pray you into the church. And as they come together, we invite the parents and grandparents, if they're here, to come forward as we lay hands on these good people to be welcomed into the life of the church. So come on forward wherever you are. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us enough to create us. You loved us enough to redeem us. You love us always enough to be with us every step of our journey. And you love us enough to call us into faith, to invite us to respond to your love and to claim your son as our Savior. We rejoice and give thanks, O Lord, for how you have been at work in the lives of these young people, grateful for how you have already filled them with your Holy Spirit, how you have prompted them to respond to your love. We rejoice, O Lord, that they are the future of our church and the hope of the world, for they have chosen to follow Jesus. We pray, O Lord, that you will bless them and keep them that you will shower your grace upon them, that you will have them always to know that you walk closely alongside of them and that you will always be with them until the close of the age. We thank you for those who have poured their lives into the lives of these people, their parents, grandparents, teachers, sponsors, pastors, all those who have encouraged them and helped them to get to this point. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you will put into their path others who will continue to walk alongside of them, that they may always find that great encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and that they may always know that Jesus Christ loves them. So we pray your blessing, O oh Lord. We thank you for this moment, and we ask that you will shower us always with your grace. For we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome into the life of the church. Greet these good people.
And these, as these good folks make their way to their seats, let's continue our worship by the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
are merciful and mighty, it is with humility and thanksgiving that we present these gifts to your honor and your service. Accept this offering as a token of the love we wish to express for you and for our neighbor. Amen. You may have a seat, and I would like to invite Miss Carol and the children to come forward for a children's moment. We all agree that was so cool to see you guys all up there. I think it's like my favorite Sunday of the year. <laughs> come on in, scoot, scoot together. So I, I have to take a picture of you guys. <laughs> it's awesome. You guys look great. So we're sometimes identified by what we wear, right? It can show us who we are, what we do for a living. If you're a baseball player, you wear a baseball uniform. If you're a chef, you sometimes wear that crazy chef hat and some funny pants and an apron. If you're a dancer, you might wear a costume, beautiful costume, and even doctors wear, wear uniforms. Did you guys see the confirmands and what they got to wear, that stole that goes around their neck? Who do you think wears that a stole? Pastors and ministers usually, right? Sometimes, not always. I think I saw Pastor Mingy wearing one, one sometime. Stoles link us back to our roots of faith. It's year 2017, right? Did you know that the first stoles were worn in church in the year five? That's a long time ago. So when you wear a stole, it, it, you know what that means? It means that you are working for the service of loving others for God, working for God. Guys, even if you and I don't have one of those fancy, cool, glittery stoles, we are ministers too. We're ministers and servants of God for the love of Christ. A stole is kind of like a yoke. You guys know what a yoke is? It's this big harness that goes on the shoulders of like two work animals, and it's usually pulled by a plow, it's attached to a plow to do some work. Listen to what Jesus says about the yoke in Matthew 11. He says this, take my yoke upon you and, le and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when our confirmands put that stole on their neck, it's like they're symbolically linking themselves to Christ. It's so cool. Confirmation is such a great process. These kids get to work, work together with their, with their, with their fellow student, um, their, their team, their, their, their group of um, students. They get to pray together. They worship together. They learn together. They get to play together. They had two confirmation lock-ins where they got to make great memories, I, and I heard they didn't get a lot of sleep. They learn about the Lord's Prayer and what the Apostles' Creed means to them, and so much more. It's really, really cool. And at the end of it, when they received their stoles, they got to claim their faith as their own. And now that journey really begins for them. So I hope that this will all happen for you all. But in the meantime, we are so lucky because you guys are connected to this church and your families who bring you to church each week so that you get to worship God. And when we leave here, we all get to be ministers for the service of God in Christ. Let's pray. 
Gracious God, thank you for calling us by name. Help us to respond to your great love by loving others in your name. Amen. be seated. One little service note following the sermon, we will not be singing a last hymn. We will instead be listening to a beautiful song and we invite you to remain seated while that singing takes place. We also invite you to withhold your applause though it will be quite deserving. We uh, want to conclude our service with a benediction and then we invite you again to remain in your seats for the postlude and then following the postlude uh, again to stay in your seats for our congregational meeting so that we can conduct that business so that we can get over to the most important thing which is to greet our confirmands outside uh, underneath the tree. This morning we are taking a look at one of the 
apostles, one of the deacons of the church, a man named Stephen. Many of us remember the story of Stephen primarily because he was the first martyr of the church um, who was stoned to death at the end of his life. Always wondered why my parents named me after Stephen, <laughs> knowing that part of his story. But uh, many of us don't uh, perhaps remember the beginning of his story, which takes place in Acts chapter 6. These verses will help us to discover that part of his story as we reflect upon him in light of all of what is taking place today. Hear the word of God. Acts chapter 6, beginning at the 8th verse. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. And then they secretly instigated some men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes, and then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stopped saying things against this holy place and the law, for we've heard him say this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. <clears throat> Those of you who know me know that over the last several months, I have been paying attention to an oak tree. Not the oak tree that sits in our courtyard, though that deserves some paying attention to as well, but an old white oak that sits up in a graveyard of a church in the town in which I pastored for 18 years. Some of you have seen the story of this tree in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, the New York Times, the CBS News. It's the oldest white oak in North America, 600 years old. When Christopher Columbus made his land upon our shores, this tree was almost already a century old. The church by which it stands, a church I served 35 years ago as a seminarian, and the church where presently one of our seminarians, Jordan Goodwin, now serves, and I believe is preaching at this morning, the Basking Ridge Presbyterian Church, mother church to the church I pastored for some 18 years, is celebrating its 300th anniversary, standing along the great white oak for half of its life. Under its branches, George Washington and his officers camped. Within its shade, George Whitfield, the British revivalist, preached during the Great Awakening. And beneath its roots, three centuries of the saints, including 35 Revolutionary War veterans, are buried. If only that tree could talk. But 600 years of life must someday come to an end, and they did this year. When spring bloomed last year, the old oak remained leafless, 
drought, climate change, and just old age, all likely factors in tipping its fragile balance to the way of all flesh and plant. Tree experts from around the country were brought to its rescue, but nothing could be done. She had fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. And so this week, they took her down. She, over the course of three days, with the help of a crane, limb by limb, they dismantled her until, she, until they finally reached the trunk. And masterfully and gently and with great care, they lifted the core of her being, 48,000 pounds of her, and laid her down, only to find in her, to no surprise, a heart. And off she went to the wave of a little girl. 16 years ago, acorns were collected from the old oak and saplings were grown in a special grove a couple of counties over. One such sapling has been carefully returned to the old church where it begins its own odyssey, new life from old life. Perhaps we might find interest in this story of the old white oak because by God's good grace, we have shadowing us in the center of our life, our very own oak, an old southern live oak whose 200th birthday we celebrated seven years ago, just a baby. 35 years before Florida became a state, 100 years before Sarasota became a city, 150 years before Church of the Palms was a gleam in God's eye, the old oak sprouted. Every Sunday it summons us to our common life underneath its limbs, towering over time and dwarfing our own threescore and ten. The old live oak digs its roots into the soil, stretches its branches over our heads, bears its leaves for shade on a summer's day, and lays its acorns at our feet. But maybe most of all, what the old live oak does for us is hearken us to those things that we believe are true and tall and withstand the test of time. There's a yearning right inside all of us, I believe, for those things in this world that are true and tall and timeless. Because the world is a transient place, everything seems to come and go. What's in fashion today is out of fashion tomorrow. Fall in love with your iPhone 7 today and tomorrow the iPhone 8 will appear. But that's the way the world is in many respects. That's the way the world should be. I'm glad not to be living like a caveman, though my wife says sometimes I do. It's good to live in the 21st century with antibiotics and vaccines and quick communication and fresh produce just around the, the corner at the grocery store. Nevertheless, we yearn for those things that endure. And frankly, those things we thought once endured don't feel very enduring. I remember, as if it were yesterday, my first trip to Washington, D.C., and walking into the halls of Congress and sitting in the gallery of the House of Representatives, and I, I felt within those walls an enduring spirit, the flag, the Constitution. Well, many don't feel that enduring spirit anymore. Drive down Main Street of any town and see once venerable institutions, the bank, the courthouse, the church, the school, old oak trees in and of themselves, but now the climate of our culture has changed and the winds of scandal and partisanship blow heavy and those trees feel tottery. Great doubt has arisen 
and like a Dutch elm disease has crept under the bark and hollowed holes in what was once firm wood. So, am I a pessimist? No, I am not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist because I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. And as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, I cast my eyes upon another tree. The Church of Jesus Christ gathers around its own venerable tree, the tree of life planted at the beginning of time and the tree of life flowering at the end of time and the tree of life that stood tall within a certain time and upon a certain Judean hill some 21 centuries ago. The tree of life upon which God in his good love stretched himself wide with arms like branches gathering all of us into his grace and mercy. This is the tree that endures not 300 years, not 600 years, not 900 years, but from the very beginning to forever. Its roots plunge deep into our bedrock. His fruit ushers forth love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. His shade cools us from the heat of judgment. His core holds a heart for all people. And this is the tree that in its standing tall and true and timeless is the only tree that empowers us to stand tall and true and timeless. His love becomes our love. His grace becomes our grace. His mercy becomes our mercy. His joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control become the very fruit with which we get to shower the world as we draw nigh and find the fruit and seed of this venerable tree as we take it in and as that sapling seeks to root and grow so we become ourselves true and tall and timeless. Not perfect, not arrogant, not boastful, but as humbly as that oak grew and now towers so we are called to humbly tower in this cynical and frightening world, to embody the very life of Christ, the gracious and sacrificial and fruitful life of Christ. The apostle says, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And with that comes a confidence in believing that the hope of the world rests in the tree of Jesus Christ. It is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. It helps us to understand this Apostle Stephen, chosen by the people because in him, Luke says, they saw a man of good standing, full of spirit and wisdom, full of grace and power, whose life embodied for the people the spirit of endurance, that though the winds of opposition blew and the climate of suspicion and cynicism threatened, Stephen stood tall, bent but not broken, Christ within him, and the people, Luke says, when they saw his face, they saw the face of an angel, and though they took this angel out to their pile of rocks and used those rocks to dismantle this tree, this towering tree, it was not lost on anyone what endured. Christ endured. The spirit of Christ endured. The grace, mercy, peace, and truth of Christ 
endured. No stone, no saw can take that tree down. You see, I'm an optimist because I'm a follower of Jesus. Or at least I try to be, or at least I want to be. And I joined the band of brothers and sisters from all the ages whose hope was in the word made flesh, who believed that he is our help in ages past, our, our hope for years to come. And the last thing this world needs is for the church of Jesus to give up hope. The last thing this world needs is for us to believe more in the cable news talking head or the latest political pundit or the upcoming Twitter post than we believe in the goodness and the truth that passes from this tree into our lives. It's a big day because in a very real sense, Confirmation Sunday, when 22 of our confirmants have professed their faith in Jesus Christ, the truth is the acorn from the oak, the apple from the tree has fallen into a new set of lives, a new and fertile soil. You, my confirmant friends, have joined the church. And that's different than joining the baseball team or the soccer team. It's different than the Spanish club or the chess club. It's different than the country club, the golf club, the field club. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those clubs. <laughs> but none of those clubs has as its mission to change the world. None of those things is going to last very long. None of those things are going to be much of help when you're having a hard time making a big decision, when you are struggling with doing the right thing, when you are suffering from pain or rejection, when you are tempted to take the easy way out. None of those things will do you much good. But we are the church of Jesus. And we believe in true and tall and timeless things. We believe that we can change the world when those true and tall and timeless things make their way into our hearts and from our hearts into the hearts of others. When the acorn gets passed, when the apple falls from the tree, and when we ourselves grow and stand strong against the prevailing winds and the changing climates. Maybe that's what they are doing up at another church I attended when I was in seminary. They just recently adopted a Syrian refugee family. Oh, the political winds are against it and the pundits are not wild about it, but the local church of Jesus stands tall and true and timeless when God says, welcome the stranger. Or when the confessing church in Nazi Germany assembled to denounce the rise of Hitler, many of them at the cost of their own lives, we reject, they wrote, we reject the false doctrine as though the church were permitted to abandon its form of message in order to its own pleasure prevail against these ideological and political convictions. The church of Jesus Christ stands tall and true and timeless when God says, you shall have no other gods but me. Or when that Amish church up in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, in the wake of an unspeakable tragedy, when a madman took the lives of several of his children, assembled to pray, not only for the families of those children, but for the family of the madman. 
and not just pray, but set up a fund for the care of his children and widow. The church stands tall and true and timeless when God says that true religion is caring for the widow and the orphan. G.K. Chesterton said, the church has many times gone to the dogs, but it is the dogs who died each time. So, I'm an optimist because we're the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We believe in true and tall and timeless things. We believe that we can change the world with grace and love and mercy and peace. For these are the things that endure. The enduring tree into which acorns grow and from which good apples fall. Tree of life, my soul.
of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.